Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. You can still, I believe in the risen Savior. I know he hung, bled, and died for my sins. I know that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. I know these things and believe it in my heart that God raised him from the dead. But I still get scared when those red and blue lights come up on me. You can have this. So this is not just about a lack of faith, but also a fear of the authorities and their systems that they were in. Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. I'll be reading from the 19th through the 22nd verse. Again, that is the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, starting with verse 19. I ask all that are physically able to please stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Then the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and then said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about I need to breathe. I need to breathe. Eight minutes and 46 seconds. That's how long Officer Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck. As alleged by the Hennepin County's attorney's office and the criminal complaint against him. Uh, the defendant held his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds in total. Two minutes and 53 seconds of this was after Mr. Floyd was non-responsive. According to the published reports and the video, he could be heard repeatedly calling for his mother and saying, please, and saying to the officer, sir, I can't breathe. I need to breathe. Uh, Ahmad Arbery was jogging on Holmes Road near Brunswick in Glynn County, Georgia, and while jogging on Holmes Road, trying to improve his lung capacity by exercising, he had the cops called on him and chased down by people attempting to make a citizen's arrest Two citizens who decided to be judge, jury, and executioner for the high crime of trespassing, looking into a house while it was still being constructed. I need 
to breathe. Brianna Taylor sleeping and breathing peacefully in her home in Kentucky one evening while police knocked down the door without identifying themselves and shot her eight times. Kenneth Walker, her boyfriend, returned fire and he's in jail right now for firing on people breaking into his house in the middle of the night without identifying themselves. What happened to the castle doctrine then? What happened to stand your ground then? I need to breathe. Amy Cooper, a white woman walking her dog in Central Park in New York, did not like that a black man by the name of Christian Cooper told her to leash her dog. And instead of just saying no and telling, or telling him to mind his own business, she decided to dial 911 and call the, uh, call the police and change her voice from calm and collected while she was arguing with this man and said, I'm taking a picture and calling the cops. You can then hear her later in the video change her voice or you hear her in the, uh, the, the video saying that I'm going to call them and tell them that an African-American man is threatening my life. She went from saying, I'm going to call the police to help. <sighs> There's an African-American man threatening my life. You can see it. I need to breathe. We are in the midst of a pandemic that has infected over 6 million people worldwide to date. And 1.7 million of those 6 million people are infected in the United States, a disease that has killed over 368 thousand people in a short amount of time. 107,000 of those deaths have been people in the United States, a disease that ravages the respiratory system. Some people just get a little tired and, and go on, and some people feel a little sluggish and go on, but others have had to be put on ventilators. Others have had to be put in comas. Others have been had to get their life, uh, their, their final wishes together. Uh, the, these people have died in just a short amount of time. Amen. I feel it connected. I feel the connection and the need to breathe. There was an appearance in this text when Jesus breathed on the disciples. There was an appearance before the disciples. There were some fearful ones. The text tells us at the same day in the evening before the first day of the week when the, the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. They were fearful. The disciples were meeting behind a locked door being afraid of the Jews. I used to think, and, and there may even be some sermons where I talked about this, where I looked at this as solely an issue of faith. Oh, they must not believe in the risen Savior. That's why they're hiding. But as I learned to study more, and as I've learned to live a little more, and I've learned to gain a different understanding, there is more to it. Amen. The disciples were Jewish. Why would they be afraid of other Jews. And it wasn't just that they were afraid of other Jews, they were afraid of the authorities. It wasn't safe to be a so-called Christian during these times. The disciples, this is, this is Easter evening going on in the text that we're reading. I know it's Pentecost, but this is an Easter evening, a Johannine Pentecost passage that we're reading. So this is just after they have watched their leader be executed like a common criminal. Jesus' followers were not welcomed warmly to the places they went. They upset the order. 
They upset the status quo. They upset those who were in charge and those who were in charge wanted to stay in charge and did not like their authority being challenged. They don't want to overturn the empire. They didn't want you to change the social norms. They didn't want Jesus challenging the social and the economic and the political power structures. So they killed him and killed others who followed him. So it's not just a lack of faith. You can believe in the risen Savior and believe that Jesus Christ hung, bled, and died for your sins, but still have some fear when authority comes around. You can still, I believe in the risen Savior. I know he hung, bled, and died for my sins. I know that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. I know these things and believe it in my heart that God raised him from the dead. But I still get scared when those red and blue lights come up on me. You can have this. So this is not just about a lack of faith, but also a fear of the authorities and the systems that they were in. Amen. And so I wondered before why the disciples would be afraid of the Jews. They were Jews themselves. But I realized that you can be a human being and be afraid of other human beings. You can be a Christian and be afraid at other Christians. I'm looking square at you, you so-called evangelical Christians. I noticed some of y'all have been real quiet during these times. But then I'm reminded that Dr. Martin Luther King said in, in an often repeated observation that the most segregated hour in this nation is Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Amen. Amen. So I'm disappointed that some of those so-called Christians, even though we're supposed to be all on the same side, have been extremely silent during these trying times. But I'm not surprised. Amen. Not surprised at all. They were in fear of the Jews. They were in fear of the people that they were supposed to be on the same team for. So I understand what the disciples were going through a little bit better. And while we are on the subject of Dr. King, I, I wish, I wish, I know it may not stop anytime soon, but I wish so many people would stop trying to invoke this man's name when they don't know much about him outside of having a day that they don't celebrate. And, and, and the I have a dream speech. I'm watching so many people invoke this man's name as if they know what else he had to say in the midst, or would have had to say rather, in the midst of these times, or if they would even care what he had to say while he was still alive. There was more to Dr. King than the I have a dream speech. Uh, uh, I'm going to read it, the, the quotes verbatim, so that I'm not uh, messing this up. But in 1966, in a September interview with uh, Mike Wallace, Dr. King was questioned about the increasing vocal minority who disagreed with his devotion to nonviolence as a tactic. In that interview, King admitted that there was such a minority that would contend that the, black, the cry of black power is at bottom a reaction to the reluctance of white power to make the kind of changes necessary to make justice a reality for the Negro. King said, I think what, we have what we've got to see is that the riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear the economic plight of the Negro poor, and it has worsened over the last few years. That's a Dr. King quote. 
I, I, I got another one for you. If you don't like that one, well, I would suggest you go home sometime and read a letter from a Birmingham jail. There's an interesting paragraph that I'd like to bring to the point. Uh, I must make two confess, two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your, direct, your methods of direct action who paternalistically believes that he can set a timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by the mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than an absolute misunderstanding of people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. So when you see a uh, 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 Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem and you see him and you say, I respect what he has to say, but I don't like the way he's saying it. And you say, we can talk about that another time. I just came to the football game too. You are exactly the type of person that Dr. King was talking about. So don't invoke his name if you don't know what he was about. In other words, <clears throat> stop telling people how to protest, especially if you're not going to actually address what they are protesting. Treating these instances of police brutality and institutional racism and everything else as separate, isolated instances, even though these things have been ingrained into the founding of this country and are promoted as early as preschool, these things only help the oppressors. Uh, when Amy Cooper can call the police and yell and scream that she's being attacked, knowing what happens when black and brown men get, in, uh, get involved with the police in these kind of situations. And people, I can see more people posting about the fact that she choked her dog than the fact that she almost got a black man killed. You are the ones that he is talking about. You help the oppressors. Uh, the fact that she is lying, then the fact that she's lying to the police about what a black man is doing, now that helps the oppressor. Saying you have a problem with the, the way these things are going, I don't condone the riots, but I don't condemn them. The riots are the language of those who are unheard. If you don't want to talk about it when there's peaceful protests, there's going to be an uprising. And even Dr. King said that himself. Having a conversation and people putting a picture of Colin Kaepernick kneeling next to a picture of that officer kneeling on George Floyd's, George Floyd's neck. And you saying you have a problem with both. But then spend all your time talking about with a problem you have with Colin Kaepernick kneeling. You are helping the oppressors. Amen. Amen. These conditions... This conditions the people to side with the oppressors and discount those who are being oppressed. Why is it that when a black man who is unarmed is killed, I have to hear people go out of their way to justify his being killed. He should have complied. 
Even if it was citizens, if a random person walks up on me with a shotgun, they are not the police. Why would I comply with them? If I'm unarmed and I still get shot, if I'm handcuffed on the back and I'm getting somebody's knee into my neck for eight minutes, how do you justify your way out of that? Ah, and then I have to see them go back all the way to when they were 17. Oh, they stole a candy bar. Oh, they had parking tickets. Oh, they are thugs. They go out of their way. Oh, no, pastor, black people kill more black people than other people. Why are we talking about police brutality? All of that conditions people and, and, and uh, sides with the oppressor. And while I'm talking about black-on-black -black crime, I'm just going to stop here and put a pin in that. Black-on-black -black crime is a myth. Let me, let me, black on black crime is a myth. A myth is a widely held incorrect thought. Uh, Pastor, are you saying that black, more black people don't kill black people? Uh, yes, they do. You go look at the FBI National Homicide Statistic Reports, you'll see every year anywhere from 80 to 90% of black people are killed by black people. I understand that. But you go look at that same report, you'll see anywhere from 80 to 85% of white people are killed by white people. Hispanics are killed by Hispanics. Asians are killed by his Asians. Crime is a product of location. So if you live in a black neighborhood, your chances of a crime being committed on you by a black person are greater because crime is a byproduct of location. If you live in a white neighborhood and you're white, the, the, you have a better chance of being robbed or killed by a white person. This is a, this is, this is, this is a fact of the location. But I never hear the term black, white on white crime. I never hear the term Asian on Asian crime or Hispanic on Hispanic crime. We have been conditioned from preschool to side with the oppressor and downtrod on the oppressed. Amen. Just preach the Bible, pastor. Stay out of this. Stay out of politics. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, uh, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Amos, verse, chapter 5, verses 24. But let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Oh, oh okay, my bad. Let's go, over to, let's go over to Proverbs 31. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Okay, never mind. Let's go to Isaiah 1 and 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Okay, uh, uh, pastor, that's Old Testament. I'm under grace. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, uh, let's go to the New Testament. James 1 and 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself spotted from the world. I got some. If you don't like what James had to say, you can go to Jesus. Uh, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to them, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, but I, there's a second one like it. Love your Neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
So I can understand growing up in these kind of situations why they would be in fear. But the fearful ones were visited by a faithful one. While they were holed up right after their leader had been killed like a common criminal, while they were doing all of these things, Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. And then he has to say it again. He comforts them. He says, peace be with you. And then when it says he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Once they saw the scars, once they saw the wounds, once they saw the price had been paid, once they saw that he did what he said he was going to do, they realized who it was and they rejoiced. Once they, had, they understood that they were talking to somebody who had some skin in the game, once they realized they were talking to somebody that wasn't just out here talking about it, but actually had done something about it. They didn't just tweet something or send a Facebook post or go live on Instagram and talk a bunch of big trash, but not do anything afterwards. Once they saw that the work had been done and they knew who they were talking to, they rejoiced. And so he comforted them. And not only did he comfort him, them, the disciples, and, and, and while I'm here, uh, in the Greek where it says the disciples in this passage, it's not just the 11 disciples at the time. It's a general term, so it could have been way more. We have the, the 12 that got popular and, and, and everybody talks about them the most, but there were times that it was more than 12 people around Jesus following him, being a student of his teaching. And so not only did he comfort them, let the church say comfort, put comfort in that he showed them what he'd gone through. He'd shown them that he had paid the price. He showed them that the death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. He showed them that he had rose from the dead. He commissioned them. Amen. Commissioned them. He sent them forth. The text says, as the father has sent me, I also send you. The disciples had to get out of the room that they were in. After Jesus sends them out, he, they have to get out of the room that they're in. They have to get out of the mind state that they're in. They have to get out among the people and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do the things that he actually said to do, not just talk about it, but actually be about it. The breath came with a commission. It's going to take a miracle, but it's also going to have to take some movement. <clears throat> be angry now. Be angry now. I'm angry now. But be even angrier in November. Amen. And, 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 and be even angrier years after that. Because as much as you might not might like or hate Donald Trump, Donald Trump does not hire city police officers. Amen. I'm going to say that again. As much as you hate or as much as you like Donald Trump, the president of the United States does not hire police officers. It's a shame that with over 20,000 people in the city of Dickinson, only 2,000 people show up to vote to elect the mayor and the city council. Amen. And even less than that for the school board. Do you know who's on the school board? Wherever you are at, do you know when they meet? 
It's it's city council meetings and other kind of meetings that go on that I go to because I want to be involved in the local politics of this city, and I'm by myself. Everybody else there has either been elected to that office or they're paid by that, that board or that commission or that district to bring a report before them. That is where a lot of the damage is being done. That is where way more damage is being done than in a local election, I mean a national election every four years. So be mad now. Amen. I honor that anger. I understand that anger. But also be mad in November and also be mad in those regular. Do you know who your teacher is? Better yet, does your kids' teachers rather know you? Amen. Jesus breathed on them. And Jesus sent them peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I need to breathe. And so I asked for Jesus to breathe on me. He breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to get through this. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to make long-lasting change. It's going to take the guidance of the Holy Spirit, not only guiding those people who are out in the streets protesting, but those people who are in the boardrooms, those people who are on the boards, those people who are voting, those people who are passing laws and resolutions that affect our everyday life. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to change the, the, the interactions of the police with the community. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to do all of this. Amen. I honor the anger. Amen. But I admonish you to go further than posting on Facebook. Yes. Post on Facebook by all means. Post on Twitter. But I'm wondering with all of this fighting and these protests and all of these things going on, why my NAACP unit meeting starts off with five or six people. Black Lives Matter is getting blamed for things that it's not even black people out there. I've been to some Black Lives Matter meetings. They're pretty sparsely attended too. This can't just be for show. He says, just as the Father sent me, I send you. I can't breathe until Jesus breathes on me. But when Jesus breathes on me, he's got to give me, he gives me the power and I got to use that power. I got to take that Holy Spirit guidance. I got to take that comforter and go out into the world and spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I can't just sit up in my room and act like nothing happened until the next hashtag comes along. And it doesn't matter where it's at because a threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. But just as Jesus was sent, he is sending us out to make a difference in this community, to make a difference in this world, to make a difference in somebody else's lives besides our own. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.